0: Scott Jenkins. How are you? I'm
1: good, Nick. It's nice to see you. Nice to meet you. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for having
0: me on, man. Thank you for being here. I was telling your wife, you know, it, it, about just having you on here. And she's like, no, a pleasure's all mine and hours." I'm like, no. You, do you <laughs> understand? Uh, I really appreciate your guys' time, especially, especially since you're eight hours ahead. You're across the pond. This is almost the biggest interview that i've had <laughs> just because you're in another country and you're eight hours away and i mean uh the stuff that you've done you know so, it's quite amazing
1: uh, that's far far too kind of you. the pleasures of my it's, it's great to be on your show and um it's probably a good thing that i'm here doing the podcast because it's saturday night like before christmas so if I wasn't chatting to you, I'd probably be in the pub somewhere. So uh, you're keeping me out of the pub, which is good. Good for my running.
0: That that That's good. I'm glad, especially with the ankle. We were talking ankle injuries. People yeah. know I'm going through mine. You went through yours, and it quite looked – it looked similar. I don't know how you're still running on it, and uh, <laughs> oh, it just looked like elephantitis like mine, you know, but it's a different story. So. For the people that don't know who you are, I know that very little do. I know you get uh, you because I pay attention to a lot of destination trails. I, I like the uh, the live results, the, the placing and everything else. And I just like, hmm, this is interesting. OK, OK, OK. And then Thanks. I'm going to shout out your wife because she is your PR yeah. and <laughs> She sought me out and said, Hey, would you interview Scott Jenkins? I'm like, are you serious? You know? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, for real, it'd be an honor. And, and, and then I was like, you know what, Scott Jenkins, I'm familiar with him, but I want to know something about you. She's I was like, are you the wife? She's all like, yeah. It's like, makes sense. And so we had a good laugh. But shout out to your wife, man. You're down to her. She's uh, not just uh,
1: PR, she's wife of the year and also, um, yeah, a crew poor. of the year as well. And yeah. in, in all honesty, Nick, like a lot of the, uh, the different races and different experiences I've, I've done over the last 13 years or so, I couldn't have done without her by my side. So I'm, I'm very grateful for the love and support that she gives me uh, and also um, motivation. Um, and reinforcement positive reinforcement we'll call it at aid stations when you're deep into an ultra um and also uh she said to me she's like hey look would you 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 want to do a show uh with nick because obviously you talk about a running ultra running which i love <laughs> and b you talk about beer too so um i've got a question for you i'm going to get in there first with a question for you see so um the next ultra I do, let's say it's over in the States, for argument's sake, it's the Bigfoot 200. Mm-hmm. What beer from Oregon or Washington would you hand me at the finish line? and why?
0: What kind? Like I, I got a brand, but like a Pilsner, what what would you feel like drinking?
1: Well, I think for the benefit of your listeners, like I, I visited Hood River. It's a beautiful part of the world. And what I noticed was it was on the, the build-up to Bigfoot 200 last, well, this year, actually, in 2022. And there was loads of, like, cool Michael threes, And obviously, I had to keep myself out of those. And I'm straying ahead of the, the race, shall we say. Um, and it just made me think, I should ask you that question so that when I run, Bigfoot
0: again in the future. I can make sure I get a pint of that at the end. So um, for me, it would probably be a lager or an IPA. And I IPA, I would go varietal. An IPA, a cool. uh, varietal brewing company. They <laughs> they also they do sponsor free beer for me. So not just saying that, but they it is a very good beer. If you want mountain beer, oh man, uh Hood River has some good breweries. Uh, bellbreaker is also good. Uh, if you want a good logger, that the, they're good. Uh, they like making IPAs and collaborations, so does varietal, but varietal twine climber is what I would hand you.
1: Okay. okay. So shout over idle. They, they need to send some over to London for me to sample before I get
0: to that rate. No, I'll I'll let them know and see if they can. But yeah, the uh, the the twine climber. I, I believe I know the deeds off the top of my head, but it's a uh, six point seven or six point eight percent with <laughs> sixty five uh, IBUs, the international beer unit or uh, bitter units. So okay perfect it's a hazy it's it's just yeah it's perfect you can't go wrong perfect
1: post-race fueling
0: oh yeah yeah one and and done
1: pre-race maybe
0: as well ah pre-race yeah i heard i heard uh you you and phil uh you guys do the bourbon during the races man that's crazy
1: Well, look, you know, it is a vacation a lot of the time when I come to do one of those races. And uh, I, I've never found that bourbon has uh, inhibited my performance at all. Um, I mean, certainly I, I remember running into uh, into a couple of different A stations. Uh, the, the one down in Cocodona on Whiskey Row. I'm like, how can I go to Whiskey Row and not take a whiskey? It's like 2 a.m. Of course I should have a whiskey. So. <laughs> <laughs> when it rubbed, I guess. When it rubbed. um I've also had a, uh, a shot of, uh, I think it was Maker's Mark at uh, Bigfoot as well at Lewis River Aid Station. And yeah. that Lewis River Aid Station, you know, obviously I thank the volunteers and tell do an amazing job when I'm out on the course. But um, I think, you know, they need to shout out down Lewis River Aid Station. They do such a good job at that aid station. And it's, you know, it's such a remote race. Bigfoot foot and the people and it's true of all the eight station volunteers they're so supportive uh at the destination trail races um so friendly so helpful and um big, big shout out to the, the volunteers and staff of those races for Yeah,
0: sure can just puts on the uh, great races i ran uh the 20 miler and uh that was the worst 20 miler i ever done and i uh, was like no more <laughs>
1: It's a tough race. Yeah, yeah. Bigfoot, that area, is it's tough, it's remote, it's super rugged, uh, inhospitable uh, terrain, for sure. Um, if you'd asked me at the end of Bigfoot this year whether I'd ever go back, I'd probably have said no. But, um, you know, uh, I guess the absence makes a fond heart. Uh, the, the heart grow fonder. So now it's getting towards Christmas. I'm like, well, you know, maybe I could go back sometime soon. That would be good.
0: Well, if you ever come down just for vacation or even after the race and have a couple of days, you know, let me know. I'll be there and uh, I'll, I'll give you all the good beers because I am a beer snob. People do know that. <laughs> now, I like that. I like that. You asked me the question, but I still yep. haven't said who you are. Some people know, some, some. But the people that don't know, you're an ultra runner, you're a motivational speaker, and a philanthropist.
1: I try to be. <laughs> that's all right. It's all good. All
0: right. Now, you are also, aka, known as you UK's 200-mile man.
1: I'm trying to be. Trying to be trying to be. I'm getting there.
0: No other UK runner has run more 200 miles miles than you have. Wow. Well,
1: that's, that's fair. Yeah, I mean makes me very proud to do that. But, um, I've I've got a lot more in the tank, I guess, and I want to just keep on trying to do more.
0: First Welshman to ever do Moab, Cocodona, Bigfoot.
1: Yeah, that, that, that makes me prouder, I guess. Um, I, I, when you do a race, like, you know, I come from a small country, Wales, it's like a population of, of 3 million people. Right. And, um, you know, when you, you come from a smaller country, um, and particularly in, in Wales um, people are very proud of being from there and uh you know for me to come out and and run a race like Moab or Cocodona or, or Bigfoot like you know I'm, I'm not used to that terrain I I don't train at any kind of altitudes I don't have a desert on the doorstep I, I live in London these days and you know there's a lot that goes into to kind of taking on one of those races and and for me like you know that it's crossed my mind a few times in the the last kind of 30 40 50 miles of those individual races you know uh, i'm i'm the first person from my little corner of the planet to ever pass that way through a, a remote trail on the side of the mountains in the pacific northwest now you're from there so you you're up in that kind of terrain all the time but to me that that's something that i'm kind of proud of because you know yeah. it,
0: of the first for your country i guess yeah yeah and i got a bone to pick a little but you also for moab uh fastest on record for a british finisher three days five hours two minutes correct yeah
1: 77 hours yeah
0: okay so so when when uh mentioning well when your wife approached me and said that quote unquote you're not a podium finisher. <laughs> I was like, Are you kidding me? Uh, I, if it was no, no, you, you guys are so honest and uh, blunt, man. It's like, dude, do you understand? Hopefully, you don't call me, uh, you don't mind me calling you dude, but you can call me whatever you want, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I, I'm Mr. Obvious, and I want you to think. And I want you to go back there because your wife's not there. She's in the house, right? You're in the garage. And Moab, you finish 15th out of 227. Up. Yeah. okay. Bigfoot, 25th out of 205. Co- Cocodona, 36 out of 239. Room for improvement. <laughs> like, oh my god that's where your wife gets it from you guys are two peas in a pod okay so i I'm, you're not a podium finisher but i swear those numbers i'm not a mathematician because if i was i would be an engineer i'm a social worker i work you know with mental health and everything else yeah. and uh uh if my math is correct that's like 80 percent, top 80 i mean 80, top five top top five percent
1: I, well, that's very kind, and I've never really <laughs> stopped to kind of think of it that way. So, it's you, up you there. There. thank you, man. That's really kind of you to say that. Um, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a little bit like kind of lost words on it, really, because I, I don't really. I've, I've never really stopped to reflect on on those kind of achievements. I've, I've always kind of thought, right, what's next? What's next? And it's only when someone like yourself kindly puts it like that that you stop and, and think about it and. I guess the biggest thing or the biggest one for me, well, there's two, you know, Coca I was pleased with because I rolled my ankle at like mile 90. It was pretty bad. You know, we discussed that before we came on the show, you know, uh Kindred Spirits on the rolled ankle front. And um, I was just pleased to to finish that sucker off with the ankle being like that for 160 miles. But um, uh, Moab, like, it's, it stands out to me because... Um, I'm not sure whether you've ever heard this story. Maybe one or two of your listeners may have heard it before. But um, in 2019, I went to run the Moab 240, and um, I had no concept of what sleep deprivation was. And <laughs> I uh, I just kind of just kept on running, and um, it was going you know pretty well for my first ever 200 mile race. And um, I came into to mile 200 and. Uh, in in 15th place and my good friend and morgan who come over from wales to support me said look you know i'll pace you through to the last aid station so we did the next kind of 24 miles together and he he told me afterwards he said you know it's the weirdest thing just kind of kept sitting on the floor and removing but refusing to move and i can kind of remember it but i can't and uh, I was accusing him of making me run, run the race again. And I couldn't, you know, I was obviously losing touch with uh, reality as it become so sleep deprived. But when you're in that moment, you don't really know that. Oh uh,
0: yeah. I like, think like, everything's like, normal.
1: Yeah. You think everything's normal. You're like, why are these people making me run 240 miles again? And I remember getting into uh, the Porcupine Rim aid station uh, and I, uh, it was the, the heat of the day, heat of the, the kind of early afternoon. And my crew were there, Jake Cooper, uh Abby, my wife, Abby Fleming, and um uh Ridian. Uh, and we, we, we kind of got into the aid station. I had this moment of clarity, you know, in uh, in a movement uh, in a movie where they kind of the, the actors in a dream and then it, it's it's kind of reality and you're like Oh wow, I'm like 16 miles from the end of the Moab 240. Like this is unbelievable. So I turned to my crew and said, hey, like, you know, get my backpack as light as possible, get all the stuff I don't need, get the food out of there, like get the get the warm clothes out of there. We're gonna be done by dinner. Um and we took off and they sent the the pacer with me. And I remember just kind of getting about four or five hundred meters out of the aid station and just being overtaken by this mental fog and haze and and sure enough you know i started staggering around the course and uh i I, you know really started to lose touch reality started falling into bushes um and then i started getting chased uh and i started getting chased by uh, a witch so i i started to to run away from the witch and um you know the witch was chasing me and it was, uh, it was pretty messy for a while there, and uh, it started to get dark. And then I, I went and hid in a bush. Then the witch found me, and then I'd run off again. And all this whole time, you know, I was meant to be done by like 6 or 7 p.m. It's now like 10, 11 in the evening. Um, and it's, you know, again, down in temperatures to like minus 4. You know, this is what the pace has told me since. And um, eventually I fell over. And um, I could hear the witch closing in, and I I got back to my feet and I ran off. And I did the only thing I could, which was to hide under a big boulder up on Porcupine Rim. And I could hear the witch shouting and uh, shouting for me. And eventually, the the witch kind of stuck in her head under the rock. And I I kind of turned and put my fingers in a crucifix. So I went, Away, witch, get away from me, leave me alone. And I'll never forget the witch turned around and went, I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. (laughs) And uh, the the, the witch, and I still maintain that I'm factually correct. uh, The witch uh, was in fact my uh, dearly beloved wife, um, who was pacing me for the last section. Um, Long story short, I was stuck under the rocks for quite some time. They couldn't get me out. Um, A runner called Jason Wooden from Utah came along with some cookies used them as bait to get me out from under the rock it worked perfectly um and eventually they got me home in thirty-fifth place so that was my first experience of running 200 miles and and the in the Moab 240 in 2019 now the reason i tell that story and the reason why i said it it kind of stands out to me is a something i'm kind of i guess semi-proud of is that the the nice thing was I went back to run the at 240 in, in 2021, and uh, Jason came down to uh, uh, the 200-mile aid station. Uh, from. He came down from Northern Utah, and Jason paced me for, for the last 40 miles. And um, he brought me home, and he brought me home in 15th place, which is uh, pretty awesome man because that's where I should have been two years ago. Um, and he was the one that got to help me achieve what I should have done two years prior. So that's why it stands out as something I'm proud of. And then the second one is, is Bigfoot um, because Bigfoot absolutely kicked my ass.
0: In, uh, it normally does. It, it kicks everybody's ass. <laughs> it does and what i would
1: recommend to any of your adventurous listeners is uh, not to go and run the bad water 135 two weeks prior to bigfoot then fly back to london fly back to washington and try to run yeah. two weeks. it was a bad idea um I can only and imagine. you live and learn and i'm still learning and still making mistakes but i certainly won't make that one again so um yeah it was great to go back to bigfoot this year and uh and get some redemption because I obviously DNF the race in, in 2021. And then this year, as you mentioned, was able to come home in 25th. So, um still room for improvement. But yeah, it's a big race now.
0: You make the DNF sound like you did not start. <laughs> yeah. Now, DNF at 160 because painful IT ban issues, correct?
1: so it was it was a mixture of things yes so um on the first day of bigfoot so a number of mistakes so number one um i ran bad water two weeks before it number two i I traveled back to the uk number three i came back to the pacific northwest and got in on the wednesday evening really really late uh the race started at at, i think 9 a.m on the friday morning so i was already pretty jet-lagged and I just remember about 15 minutes before the start of the race, Candice uh, saying so, uh, and forgive me, I, I don't know what this is in, in Fahrenheit, but she stood at the beginning and went, yeah, so just to remind you guys, it's going to be real hot in the blast zone today. It's, you know, the equivalent of 42 degrees Celsius. And I'm thinking to myself, hang on, um, I was just down in Badwater bad water and it was 52. So this is going to be really, really like <laughs> unseasonably hot for like, this area. And I looked at my pack and I'm like, oh, no, I I've, I've left my water bladder in London. Like, I didn't even think to bring it. Like, just because I thought Pacific Northwest equals, you know, relatively, you know, decent climate. I didn't, you know. It gets that. hot. Um, it, yeah, it gets yeah. hot. It gets hot. Especially up on that Mount St. Helens and that blast zone with the, the exposure there. And it's a big gap from, like, I think oh, it's yeah. mile 12 to, to mile 30 with very limited water supply and you know it was a massive mistake and, and something i'll never repeat but basically I, I got dehydrated it took me way too long to get into windy ridge um, and from there i was c- constantly trying to battle to get myself back on track in the race and I, I did for a little bit um but then i got dehydrated again on the second day and um yeah it just led to an it band issue which i couldn't fix no. but I did way like I, I found, what I found was that if I took an I, enough I, ibuprofen and um, I'm not condoning that for any listeners, but it doesn't work. Um, I took enough ibuprofen and um, like a, we call it paracetamol. So like a, like a aspirin, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it there. Uh, if I took enough of those and put my knee into the cold water crossings, because there's quite a few of them in the yes. second part of that race it would numb the pain enough to kind of keep me moving forward. Um, The problem was that I was getting slower and slower. And um, I basically got into Click Attack. And um, yeah, the Click Attack area and that trail is something that I feel in a weird way, like a a spiritual connection to. And I know Candice calls that section the, the dark side of the moon. It's a weird place. Like It's a really weird, eerie trail. Um, but it it gives me goosebumps about that trail. There's no other part of the race where I've like felt that way about a course, but like, it feels like it's all, this sounds really like spiritual and I'm not particularly, Hmm. but it feels like it's alive a little bit. Like I, I, my first experience of click attack was coming out of that aid station. It was pitch black. You kind of go through this, um, this gap in the hedgeway in the shrubbery and then boom the lights are out it's dark oh, and yeah. there's mist coming in there's rain coming in um i was super sleep deprived because i'd been so slow um and i tried to avoid that you know I, I knew i'd made mistakes with that in the past but i couldn't physically avoid it because of the time cards um and i ended up getting lost out on Clickitat, and it was um you know it was a scary situation i sat myself down there in the in the rain and in the mist and I had a pacer with me, Jay Sinsley, who was brilliant. And I said, you know, I'm just not going to make it to the next aid station. Look, I'm done. We needed to find our way back. And he got me back to the previous aid station. And I was really disappointed to to drop out because I'd, I'd figured, I thought I'd and figured and solved the problem that was primarily there, but there was another problem which I couldn't deal with. So, yeah, that was the first experience I clicked at. And then, um, it, forgive me in, in in 2022 i got back to click attack and what was really nice was like some of the volunteers ran with me the pacer with me i'm a good buzzy uh wes plate who was also running the race we teamed up together so we were out on the the click attack trail and um again like super like eerie vibe to that trail it's super technical it's super um overgrown it's it's just a very demanding section of any race, but to have that at mile 160 to 180, so there's not many sections of a race that are that tricky and technical. Um, anyway, we got about six miles out onto the clicker tap and um, we needed to get some sleep. We'd only had two hours up until that point. We bedded down on the uh, forest floor and our pacer molly said, look, you know, I'll keep watch." And After about 15 minutes, you know, um, when you're drifting off to sleep you kind of you know somebody says something or maybe your wife says something it, it kind of startles you wake. yeah 15 minutes into falling asleep i'm guessing it's 15 minutes um, i just heard this loud purring noise uh, which was particularly unnerving um and i was so tired i just wrapped the foil blanket like tighter around me uh and then obviously you know drifted off i guess um, must have been no longer than 15 minutes later. Molly woke us up and she was like, you know, we need to be quiet. And Wes kind of came over and he went, Man, do you do you hear that purring noise like a couple of minutes ago? And I was like, Yeah, that's what I was dreaming. And he was like, No, I, I heard it too. Um, so then Molly was like, Look, you know, let's let's be real cautious here. And we start going up the trail and there's uh this mountain lion turd lying in the trail, like 10. 10 meters up the trail from where we were sleeping, and that was just one of those moments where you're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this trail's trying to kill us or at least send us a message. <laughs> um, and then it continues. So, like, we went over a really huge climb, and I remember going up and up. This is in the dark, like, you know, it's I'm guessing 1 2 a.m. Um, and it was a really tough climb, bushwhacking, sliding on your ass, all that stuff. And I got up to the top and saw this amazing kind of moonlit tree line in front of you and then started walking and I slipped. And as I slipped, I I bashed my hip and started sliding on this loose gravel and shoved my poles into the ground and stopped. And then just looked to the left-hand side and there was just this drop off the side of the cliff into the abyss. (laughs) And I yeah I sat there for like a few minutes and like I think Wes came over and he's just like I do think this this trail's trying to kill us and I'm like I don't understand why this is it like it, the way it feels like that um, and then the next thing like just before sunrise as we you know coming towards the end of that section. Um, both of our Garmin's failed in exactly the same spot. And it came up with an error on my Garmin that I've never seen before. And, um, you know, I've run, as you know, multiple 200-milers, 200 250, 240s. And um, I've never, still to this day, seen the same error that occurred on that click attack section. So That's crazy. Um, it's it's a little bit strange. It's a little bit strange. Anyway, I've rambled on enough about the like, big no, it, and, uh, I No, uh,
0: I think I've, we've heard a lot of stories I've heard a lot of stories. I, I, I've had, you know, people share them uh, uh, their stories on when they're delirious and sleep dep- uh, deprived and everything else. But I think your story takes the cake, especially with you thinking that it was a, it, it, the purring was uh you know, a nightmare when in fact it was reality, Definitely. a cougar that can tear you up. How many people were in your group? Three. Thankfully, Thankfully you had three people because I think if you were by yourself, he would have messed with you because yeah. I, I really think that man, but wow.
1: <laughs> There's a lot in there, but like, yeah, I, I just, I can't help but think like, you know, that first year was almost a, cause I know obviously a little, I've read up since uh, about the cliff attack and obviously they were the, the native American people that were were living in that area, mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess a hundred really? years or so. and Yeah, maybe there's something spiritual about that place. I don't know, but certainly the experiences that I've had out on that of trail uh, are interesting, to say the least. And it feels like I'm not alone. Like, you know, Candy calls it the dark side of the moon because weird stuff happens out there. And I remember talking to one of the, the, the medics, Brian, uh, one of the destination uh, trail uh, medics, Brian. Basically, he... He said the similar sort of things. Like every year, something strange happens out on that trail. Um, That's crazy. Say it again. Like I've never experienced a trail like that in my life. but still haven't. So I do feel connected to it in a weird kind of way. So I actually got a tattoo of uh, a clicker tap tattoo on my.
0: uh, Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, if I meet you for Bigfoot, stay away from that trail. Do anything in and around or after that trail. Yeah.
1: I can't imagine, like, I can't <laughs> imagine anyone else is out on that trail during the course of the year. Like, it's so overgrown and so remote. Even to get to the yeah. trailhead itself, like, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's an
0: intimidating area. So, talking about tough tough races, Bigfoot, there's also one that sticks out. You've done Badwater. Yeah. You were, yeah, you were invited Badwater, and uh, you, you were the fastest on record. Right or uh, but your brother, your brother was uh, you were behind your brother during that bad water, correct? So
1: my brother ran bad water in twenty nineteen, and then we both and you know kudos to him, shout out to him, like he became the first Welsh person to ever run bad water, which is uh, super cool, and he did a, a faster time than uh, than me. Um, So, yeah, he's got the fastest uh, time for a Welshman, which um, um, I'm super happy for him on that as well, which is cool. Um, So, yeah, he did it in 2019. Um, We both applied in 2020. Um, Obviously, the travel restrictions being the way they were, um, you know, he made his own plans uh, to go to Mexico and quarantine, I believe, uh, which didn't end up coming to fruition. I made my own plans as well, which was to, um, well, to be honest, it, it wasn't really planned. It just, I emailed the UK Athletics Association, got a phone number, rang them up and, and said, hey, is there anything you can do to help me? And a week before Bad Water was due to take place, um, I got a, a PDF through from um, the US Olympic Committee giving me um, travel dispensation, which was incredible because I was one of the only people to be able to fly between the uk and the us during covid which was amazing absolute you know privilege and it was just by luck that that happened so i got to run it in uh 2021 2021 i got to run it and then this year i went and paced my good friend laura watts um, and she ran it this year and also my brother ran it this year as well so who knows, maybe in 2023, um, me and my brother hopefully can both apply and hopefully both get in and it would be awesome to run it with
0: him. Kind of interesting. You, you know, you're not a podium finisher, but you get an invite, a special invite. So you're kind of a big deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, my bookcase smells of rich, rich mahogany. Isn't that what uh, Will Ferrell would say in uh, Anchor Mad?
0: <laughs> right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm definitely not. You're, you're far too kind. You're far too kind. Thank
0: so, you. so, so it's in the blood, man. You, you, your brother, you guys are probably up there when it comes to Welsh runners.
1: Probably. Uh, I well, I guess we're not the fastest, but I guess we're you know we're, we're decent ultra runners that have been doing it uh, a grit. long time now. I guess and um yeah, it's really nice. It's really kind of unique, I suppose that. So. I, I don't know. I think it's less than a thousand people have finished water officially.
0: Um, exactly. Uh, you were nine hundred and thirty-eight, I believe. If my uh, well, no, it's nine hundred
1: and twenty-four because I've got that tattooed on my arm as well. So <laughs> there you um, go. There I'm you wrong. go. And you're definitely not right on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That tattoo man, it hurts too much. Um, so yeah, I, I mean that's pretty. It's pretty nice to reflect on on the fact that you know two brothers from a small country, small town have have run an epic race like bad Water, and yeah, the thing Chris Costman, the race director, says about Bar Water is like more people more people have climbed Everest than have run across Death Valley, and yeah, something I could be really proud of. Like when we get older and we're sat on the sofa not doing too much, it's something to look back on It's crazy.
0: It's crazy. So. So we can talk about Destination Trails. A lot of people, well, the listeners, they know about Moab. They know about the Triple Crown. They know about Destination Trails. I want to dive in deep when it all started, how it mm-hmm. all started, and why it all started. Uh, let's, let's, start, let's start with, in 2010, your first thing that you've, not ever, but big thing that you've, you've done. You started yeah. out with, you started a marathon, 75 marathons in 75 days going from Boston to Austin, Texas. That's, yeah, comes out to be 2,000 miles, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: It was all for charity. But what, what allowed you or what had started around that time for you to even fathom that? Two thousand miles, seventy-five uh, marathons in seventy-five days. What 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 was going on in your life?
1: It's a good question, and, and thank you for asking it. So, um, I guess you know, I was I turned thirty um, whilst we were doing Boston to Austin. So, when we came up with the idea, I was twenty-nine, and um, I was working in a gym in in South Wales, which is you know where I'm from, and um, there was a, a guy there called Colin. And and Colin used to come in every week, and he was like the uh, the kind of founder of the the healthy hearts club there, basically. Uh, lovely, lovely guy. And um you know, every week he used to come in, and he had like this enthusiasm. And you know, the weather would be horrible outside, or you know, he'd, yeah, there'd be stuff going on, and he'd still be like really happy and positive. And one day, I just you know, I was working in the gym, and you know i'd help them with the equipment and the machines and whatnot and i asked him i said you know colin you're coming in every week why are you so like happy and positive and he just stopped and he said look you know i've had a, a cardiac event i've had a, a what i think it was a heart attack he had so forgive me if it wasn't that maybe it was a stent but um he just turned to me and said that you know i feel like i've got a second lease of life. and to me you know in that moment was like okay yeah, yeah it makes sense and then I kind of it like reflected on over the course of probably a couple of weeks where you know I'm working in the gym cleaning the machines sweeping the floors all that stuff and I'm thinking to myself what have I done with my life that you know and that I could be proud of you know and kind of got me thinking well actually maybe I should do something to to, to help Colin and his Healthy Hearts group. Maybe I could do something for the British Heart Foundation. And, you know, we'd spent a bit of time, here, my brother in the States. Um, we've made some, and still to this day, have some great friends out there. And um, uh, we have a good friend called Rusty Tolliver. Uh, and Rusty's based down in uh, Austin, down there in Texas. And, you know, we're good friends. And the three of us came up with this idea to, to run 2,000 miles from, from Boston to Austin. Um, so we did it for british heart foundation for uh salute america's heroes and british equivalent of that which has helped the heroes um so we did that it was 75 marathons 75 days you know came out at 2,000 miles and i think the the thing that kind of clicked for me was you know a it was incredibly difficult uh, <laughs> undertaking, and probably something that We didn't underestimate, we knew it was going to be hard, but, you know, I think the reality of the day-to-day grind was really tough to take, but, you know, once you finish that and reflect on it, it kind of got me thinking, actually, you know, there's a lot more that I can do here for for good to help people through my running. We fundraised, I think we raised over like 12000 in total for those charities, uh, £12,000. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, actually, when I get older in life, you know, when I get to Colin's age, you know, what do I want to look back on and, and be proud of? And I still, you know, I've talked about it a few times. I still believe that, you know, the things that we'll, we'll look back on won't be the trivial stuff. It won't be like, oh, I watched Netflix last week. It won't be, you know, yeah. oh, I got so stressed in that week in work because supply chain didn't have stuff. It'll be the times where we had some adventure. With friends, family, colleagues, and did some good to help other people along the way. And you know, for me, right here, right now, I feel like in, in however many years it may be, I'm sat on the sofa. Where I can look back at those things and go, "All right, you know, you, you've helped other people on their journey through life." And that's where all the ultra running comes in, because obviously, okay. people like seeing me suffer. I
0: guess. Yeah, you have you have a a, a beautiful heart, man. Uh, oh, thank you! Thank just, you. Just knowing what you do this for, and and why, and how it's it's uh, giving back is all what I I believe into, and it's, it's it's nice to know other people do that as well. Thank you. Uh, so another feat. Three years after that, you uh, you and three others cycle bicycle from Seattle to Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Non-stop. That's four thousand miles. You didn't do it the easy way or the short way from San Diego to, like, let's say you know, Georgia. Maryland, yeah, yeah, you know the lower part. But you went from Seattle to Jacksonville. I mean, you went diagonal all the way down in the states. Like, I forget about
1: this. I forget like the stuff on the bike as well. Um, and I actually really enjoy it. I've just been so focused on the ultra running side of things last week. <laughs> My poor bike doesn't get out much. But, um, yeah, that was a, an awesome, awesome challenge. And the, the great thing about cycling through a country is obviously uh, running is tough and it, it hurts so much. Cycling hurts too, but you get to see a little bit more and there's a little bit more comfort, you know, um, which is Just cool. a tad bit. Just tip <laughs> I never realized until I did it that you can actually cycle on the highways out there in the the Pacific Northwest. It's legal to do that because obviously you know the risks of some of the smaller roads or the cuts. I didn't know that. So that obviously worked so well for our our cycle challenge. And we did that one for uh the Royal Marines Association. (laughs) So our good friend Paul Woodlands, who's sadly no longer with us, we did it in uh, his memory um and he was one of the boys from home that we grew up with uh he was in the sbs uh special boat service which is the equivalent of the u.s navy seals yeah coming to honor his memory and, and that's exactly what we did so yeah something that somewhere he would be looking down and and think, yeah, good on your voice. It was a good effort. And that I want to call out my friend, Ross Stevenson and um, Lewis Earls, and again, my brother, it was the four of us that went and did it. So yeah, it was a good experience that. I
0: I say tad bit because uh, chafing, man.
1: Chafing. chafing, (laughs) I mean, I'm not sponsored by Squirrel Nut Butter, but if I went back and did that ride again, Squirrel Nut Butter is getting um, salubrously applied to many crevices.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So that's why I say tad bit. Now, the one that maybe you've forgotten or, you know, it's not like top of the iceberg, but you ran across Iceland in five days. Now, I was trying to find the miles because I don't know what route you took or, you know, north, south, east, west. How many miles?
1: It was... I can't remember. It's about two hundred miles, I think it was something like that. So we um, we went on the southern route. So we finished in Reykjavik, and we started on the east side of the island and followed this. There's, there's one like circular road that goes right the way around Iceland. You so we that. drove as far west as we thought, uh, as far east as we possibly could, and then just ran back. and We we did it and just slept in a camper van overnight, which was absolutely fine. The only thing about Iceland that I I noticed much uh, to my kind of chagrin in the uh, at the end of day one was that when I went for a hamburger, uh, the hamburger was unusually meaty. And um, turns out that uh, I, there were no dairy cows when I was running through Iceland, but there were a lot of horses. So I'm pretty sure that was the, the first time that I'd had a horse burger in my life, but it was delicious. Sorry to.
0: No, say no, that. no. Too so. It's- so if 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 you know Burger King had a uh, an issue with putting horse meat in their burgers too, they got in trouble for that. So that oh that, did they? That, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. At yeah. one time, like a couple a few years ago, they got in trouble for that. I'm so. sure there's
1: a horse-based pun in there related to burger King somewhere. I just can't think of it right now, but yeah. I'll come back to it eventually.
0: <laughs> so how how was that? Like How did you come up with the idea of like Iceland of all places? I mean, I could only imagine, I mean, it's north of you and and it's mostly by the Arctic circle. I mean, if not on it, uh, what?
1: Yeah. I I think it's in the Arctic circle. Technically I, I I might be wrong. What made you do that? What, What, like, did you just wake up? That that was that uh, I'm going to blame that completely on my brother, Reese. So, uh, yeah, he he was the one that came up with that idea. He said a bunch of us going up to run across ice, do you wanna do it? I was like, Well, we've got some time, may as well. Yeah. So it took some it took a week off and, and went and did it. It was cool. It was really cool. It was very cold, very windy, and the rain comes in sideways, which is not too dissimilar to the UK actually. You know, when you get that wind and it's just like blowing a
0: hoolie. Oh yeah. Winds coming in the red like Forrest Gump, the movie Forrest Gump, Sideways. <laughs> yeah, I
1: get the Forrest Gump gag quite a lot off, uh, off my friends and stuff. One of my uh, team in work calls me Forrest as well on, uh, okay. on text, which is uh, is quite funny. So um, yeah, uh, I think actually when I finished Boston to Austin, my uh, my old boss uh, he put a box of chocolates on my desk and uh, oh, that's
0: okay.
1: for the run, which is a nice touch. That,
0: that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty yeah, awesome. Absolutely. What was the the best thing about Iceland was it the scenery? it has to be the scenery it's the scenery and I think
1: I think if I was to go back I'd want to find a trail rather than do it on the road um just to like see what the the tundra is like because what it was amazing like you'd be running across these bridges and there'd be like icebergs floating underneath the bridge and it's crazy um yeah it was crazy. And, like, the beach is, like, black sand on the south coast there. I remember, like, yeah. the beach was, like, it was, like, running across Mars. It was amazing. And, like, you can see the mountains, like, the, the volcano mountains in the background. It's a very pretty place. I'd like to go back and either run it across the trail in summer, for sure, not April. Uh, <laughs> Do they have a summer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Or maybe just drive around it just to kind of take it all in and, and reflect. But it would... Um, it's a beautiful country. Beautiful country. We went to the Blue Lagoon after, which is a bit of a tourist trap, but still very cool to see.
0: Speaking of beautiful country, uh, 2019, you, you kind of it. They UK has Canal Slam. It's a series of three races: 130, 145, and 145 mile. That's similar to what Candace does for Destination Trails, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who who's in charge of that? and that that race
1: um so it's uh, a guy called Keith and a guy called uh dick and they are the the most lovely uh quintessentially british people um you will ever meet like they're just absolutely passionate about running they put on uh three fantastic races they really do and um i think destination trail races are incredible like you know, the yeah. A stations that we talked about, the volunteers, and, you know, with uh, the UK races, the volunteers, no different. Like, people are so passionate, so enthusiastic. What I love about the canal races is for such a large undertaking, they're really still quite, like, low-key. And, and what I mean by that is not a disservice. It's actually, like, a, a real nod of the cap. So, like, it's old-school, ultra-running. Like... You know, you're going to run 145 miles down a canal that was developed, you know, in the Industrial Revolution to transport, you know, um, industrial steel, coal between Birmingham and London, which are the two biggest cities in the UK, and everything that comes along with that. So you're going to run through towns, you're going to run through countryside. And like, that's awesome. A lot of history. Like, honestly, if there's any of you listeners in in the US there, thinking about coming to the uk to do a race they should sign up for one of those races because they're super low-key like you finish the race and like the the, the volunteers the race organizers are so so lovely and so kind um but like the finish line is just a bit of scaffolding with a a, a a tiny bit of tarp that just says finish line like on the side of the canal in london and it's like it, it's just okay. i love it i think it's really it's the heart of ultra running right there like that low-key
0: Is it easier to uh, apply, register than Destination Trails? So the Grand Union Canal
1: Race, which is the original uh, race between Birmingham and London, is a lottery. Um, The Kennet and Avon Canal Race between Bristol and London, which is actually 155 miles, it's billed as 145. You are factually correct on that. Just turns out that it's, it ends up at 155. Again, it's like quintessential British. Like, well, you know, the medal said 145, so that's what you get. Um, <laughs> that that one you can, I think, is a little bit less signed up for. So you can you can put your name down for that. And then, um, actually, my favourite of the three is probably Liverpool to Leeds. Like, I, I think it's mm-hmm. just a really pretty route. You come out of Liverpool and. You kind of go through the edge of the Yorkshire Dales and through the Pennines there um, into Leeds. And yeah, it's the last of the three, and it's a really cool race. But like, I I love the destination trail races, and I love
0: the canal races.
1: I, I think they're, they're very different, but both uh, are cool in their own kind
0: of way. Four-month span, and you mistakenly, kind of mistakenly, I don't know, I'm talking for you. It should not talk. You, no, you did both. Mo- you did Moab during that cycle, correct? Yeah, it
1: is. I, <laughs> 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 I, I, had, to I had to think about that. I
0: completely forgot. Like, you're I, in a league I, of your own, man. You're, you're, like, you're making your own bills. You're making your own races here, man. What the heck? I, I
1: well, thanks for telling me that because I just <laughs> forgot it. it was all the same year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I say forgot, I never really thought about it. I've never thought about it. there's a there's a plaque inside the the lovely thing is um the, the canal guys they and um they give you like a wooden plaque with the finished times on and the free medals at the end of the year which is really really cool really nice awards um that's in the house in one of the spare rooms and the Moab uh, buckle is in a different room so Maybe I've just for completed that format. I mean, <laughs> well, Thanks, man. Appreciate the you,
0: Yeah, you understand. I'm just saying uh not a podium finisher, but damn, <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there. All right. Thanks. So here 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 comes some questions, man. And, and I know you you said you had some questions for me, but race-wise, <laughs> I know yeah. you you started because of your friend in the gym, right? Why continue to do what you're doing?
1: I just think there's more people out there that can help. And also, you know, you you kind of develop that thirst for adventure as well. And I think the the thing that I feel really fortunate about is that I've been able to share a lot of these um, races with friends and family and make new friends Mm -hmm. along the way as well. And I just, I think that, you know, Operation Smile is the, the charity that, I support and have supported since 2015. For uh, yeah. so those of your listeners that aren't familiar, Operation Smile are a charity which perform uh, surgery for uh, children with cleft lips, cleft palates, all around the world. Um, and I just think Smile is the international language of the world. You know, you and I get on this podcast this evening we've never met before, but, you know, we yeah. get on, welcome each other with a warm smile and you still start building that rapport. And I think you don't have that they like don't have that opportunity it must be so difficult and then you couple that with like a lot of these children suffering with those um, issues in developing countries um yeah of society so i think it's a wonderful charity to support um and i guess you know i just want to keep on trying to 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 help people and i know that to to change someone's life via operation smart costs 150 pounds um for the corrective surgery to take place and um i in no way is this a, a brag but i was on the phone to um operation smile last friday um i speak to them regularly and um they said to me you've raised 93 smiles over you know the course of the last eight years since you've um supported us and uh, which i i'd never totaled up again and um I, I was kind of cool to hear but the first thing i said was like "Well, damn." I've <laughs> got to go over 100 and I better do that soon. So um, to answer your question, I've still awesome. got to do to help others and, and that's why I keep
0: doing that. That's awesome. And and I'm glad you brought that up because I I, I kind of have a niche of, you know, bringing, you know, segues in. And I wanted to end on that. So you don't have to remind me, but just be, be, be warned that I will be talking about operation smiles and you and everything else. And, and what you do is a, a beautiful thing for the kids, because I have had two friends uh, that I've worked with that had kids or babies with cleft palates. And it is just hell on kids. The surgery, just reconstructive. It, it, it just, and it, and it, and it's, more hell on the parents because you you know it's so much pain and agony to see, yeah, and go through. So
1: it, it, it's a horrendous situation, and you know we're very fortunate in the US and, and UK in that we we live in countries with established healthcare systems, right? And um, mm-hmm. you know we can go and seek the, the treatment for whatever our issue is, and I think you know. I was very fortunate to go on an Operation Smile program uh, in the September or October of 2015 to a small town in, in northern Ethiopia. And um, you know, you had families traveling for like three or four days by foot to a hospital triage center, not knowing whether you know their child would have the procedure that they require to, to change their life. And, It was heartbreaking because some of the people there got the operation they needed. And there's only so many people you can treat when you're there for a a week. And um, obviously, heartbreakingly, some people wouldn't have got the the care that they need. So, again, that's another reason why you you keep on pushing and striving to do more. And one of the great things about Operation Smile now is that they're, they're trying to establish programs in countries that, you know, don't just go and and try to help for a week, but they go and they they train people to become plastic surgeons. So, if, as an example, in in Rwanda, um, Operation oh, okay. Smile trained the first two plastic surgeons for that country, and you know that's a war-torn country that's awesome. affected by genocide a long time ago. So, oh yeah, ago, actually, I should say, and you know if they can train. Uh, those consultants and those consultants can train some more, and all of a sudden you've you've made a massive difference to that country. So yeah, um, it's a great scheme, it's a great program, a great charity.
0: You're 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 a great man, and and dude, uh, oh, I I commend you. Guys.
1: I I do like a beer. I mean, I, I talk about all this running and, and charity stuff. I like a beer too. So uh, you know, I have my license. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I'm pretty sure I'll see you at uh Bigfoot. You guys, I, I talked to a lot of people. You guys are trying to get me to volunteer or paste or something, do something because I don't think I could I don't think I can just volunteer. I think I'd have I'm, to, you know, just join. I would welcome,
1: you know, welcome a pace <laughs> for the next time I come back there. You can come out onto attack for me and experience it first nice. right there.
0: Okay. Now <laughs> How do you do what you do? You talked about jet lag, you travel expenses, and you also, you're not uh, all said and done. Like you're not, you have a day job. You have a real life. You, You don't just eat, sleep, run, you eat, sleep, work, run, wife, real life things, drink beer. How do you do all that? Do you, do you, Ever sleep? <laughs> yeah, I love I
1: love sleep. Usually, after several beers and a couple of melatonin. Um,
0: so
1: it's again, it's something that I try not to to think about too much in terms of like, okay, you've got so much to get through all the time. Um, perhaps it's one of those things where you're like you're constantly doing stuff. And it's only really maybe like this time of year when you sit down at Christmas with your family and and stop and reflect on things that, you know, it takes a lot. Um, But for me, I I think it's just worth the time investment to have these adventures in life, I guess. You know, I I work full time for Johnson & Johnson, uh, ironically, as an ultra runner in hip and knee replacement. So um, that's what I specialize in. Um, (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Touch wood, the joints are holding up okay so far. Uh, And then outside of that, I just, you know, I dedicate my time to training and and trying to do a bit of good stuff for charity through the the running. And yeah, trying to find a balance isn't always easy, but I guess the the payoff is when you put in all that hard work and training and you get to go to somewhere that's beautiful, like the Cascade area or Moab or, you know, Iceland. Payoffs there. You know being in that moment because money can't buy those experiences. I, I paid to do all my races and all my travel myself, and it's crazy. That's crazy, I just, That's crazy. Man. But, like, you know, I would rather spend the money that I earn on, on having those experiences and you know, doing a bit of good because you know, at the end of our life, it doesn't matter what's in. In your bank account, but it don't matter what you've got yeah. to reflect on, and it comes back to the point of wanting to reflect on adventure and doing some good. And well, I guess it's we're almost done, but I, cycle I'm in now where I just keep doing
0: more and more. <laughs> right, you, you, you also have one. You also have one heck of a, a wife, man. She's like very supportive. Like I, 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 I. You could only do so much with your partner. <laughs> But you end up going with her. She ends up enjoying the, these with you. And she's your crew, your pit crew, your the, the manager. She is the bee's knees of the operation, correct?
1: <laughs> definitely, definitely. She keeps me <laughs> on the straight and narrow for sure. And uh, she's given me, a, as I said, a, a few positive uh, reinforcement chats at a number of different aid stations over the years um and honestly I, I couldn't have done it without all of the help and support of, of of abby she's um she's just pushed me to want to achieve more and more and more and you know i i recently went to uh you know talk about the, the finishes but i went to a race over in uh cape town in south africa a month ago and ended up dropping out after 55 miles and um you know immediately she Obviously, I was disappointed, but I was going into that race with an injury, and that's not an excuse. But um, it it subsequently turns out that I've actually got bursitis at the moment. I've been to the physio today. It's been diagnosed as bursitis. Um, uh, Basically, um, Abby immediately could tell I was disappointed and said, you need to watch this documentary on Netflix about this tennis player who, you know, he... Uh, had a career, then dropped a little bit, and then he came back. And this is how he did it. And I watched it on the plane home. And you know, she knows how to kind of motivate me and make me want to refocus on the goal. And you know, now coming back and and now you know, once I get this hip sorted, I'm really focused on on next year and next year's plans and wanting to do more and okay. push myself. Get to 100 smiles. That would be awesome if you could do that.
0: Nice. OK. All right. It's not finishing. It's allowing kids to smile completely. So that, that's, a, that's awesome, man.
1: Yeah, that would be
0: cool. A couple. Got,
1: go no, go ahead. No, no, I've got some big kind of ideas in my head for next year as well.
0: So. Nice. OK. Well, whenever you want to display it or bring it up, you can always hit me up and we'll, we'll talk about it. I
1: appreciate that.
0: One, we have three staple questions, and I, I think I could answer that. You could, I could ask you those three questions. Um You, you seem like you have a sense of humor, so I'm going to start off with Adam <laughs> Sandler. Adam Sandler, are you you know of Adam Sandler movies? Yeah, I love Happy Gilmore. Okay, enough said. All right. Did, I, I'm probably culturally stupid on this, but do you guys do you guys have peanut butter like we do in the states? Yes, we do. Okay.
1: <laughs> never understood why you mix it with jelly. Never understood it.
0: You never. Oh, see that. Okay, so I'm I'm not stupid. I I just don't know. <laughs> How do you? And I know you in the states. You have eaten a few peanut butter jelly sandwiches, right? Because in the aid stations they have them in the cubes. They're normally yeah. hard and not mushy. I I've don't thrown like... up a few of them as well. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. How how do you build a peanut butter jelly sandwich, man?
1: I wouldn't. I'd walk straight. Past. <laughs> you what? I wouldn't. I'd walk straight past it. I I generally don't eat them. I like I've tried them like twice in races because I was like. On Des- Desperation Station, trying to think, like, okay, I need to eat something. Let me try that. And both times I've eaten them, I've been sick. So um, I'm sure they're delightful. Uh, they're just not for me. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> hey, you're the first. That's it. Nope, not for me. If I'd it in the trash, that's what I'd make of it. I've got to say, I've got to say, one of the great things about Destination Trail races is like the food those guys put on at the aid stations is insane. Like there's no one no one does it better, I've got to say. Like, you know, you go to like the 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 most remote place on the oh, side man. of the Cascade Mountains and they're like, Hey, do you want a case of deer, burger, hot dog, you know, tacos, what do you want? It's just like that That's makes crazy. such a difference in the two hundred mile race because you can't get through on those things without having things.
0: No. Mm. You spend a lot of time in the Cascades, Washington. Oregon so you know a little bit about the beer I always ask the question Deschutes Brewery or Brogue Brewery you know of those two they're pretty big in Pacific Northwest they were the staples of craft beers
1: so I would have to say Deschutes for sure okay Uh, and the reason for that is because I went to uh, their brewery in Bend in Oregon on my way up to 200 and me and my coach uh, Jeff Browning he was up in the area we went to the deschutes brewery we had dinner and probably too many beers as well at the same time but it was delicious
0: oh, and i have
1: a deschutes brewery t-shirt in my house which i wear so nice all day and they can sponsor me too i'd be very
0: happy with that it's not- <laughs> <laughs> okay now curveball but in your realm your world what's your go-to beer over there man
1: that's a good question. So um, there's a long-established brewery in London called uh, Fuller's. Um, they make a really nice lager called Frontier Lager. That's, that's my favourite lager from the UK for sure. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what my favourite beer from the States would be. would probably, actually, I think one of the Deschutes maybe. Um, I do like a Sierra Nevada, California IPA as well. Yeah. Has beer. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's so sort many of to choose from it. Like you seem blessed up there in the Pacific Northwest with so many great breweries. I can see a few signs on your wall there, and honestly, yeah. I'd love to come back to Hood River that area and, and taste some more of those. There, there's more.
0: There's more. Oh <laughs> <All>
1: right. <laughs> there's more. Yeah. got the field speaker, the full sale, varietal.
0: Yeah, that's oh, the yeah. guy to
1: sponsor the the podcast, varietal. Yeah,
0: varietal. Yep, yeah, right, right there. But yeah, yeah. So. What now, Europe? They're known for their beer. You got to have the best beer, better than ours, right? Or is it similar? Is, is come on, Germany? I was think... stationed. I was stationed station yeah. in Germany, and and German beer is a lot better than uh, American. Were beer, you in the military? Yep, yep. Oh well, thank you for your service, man.
1: It's, uh, uh, it's so impressive, and like so much time for the military. Like I said. You know, one of our friends, as I mentioned, was in the SBS, so, so much love for that. Um breweries in Germany, I mean I wouldn't go to Germany drinking in, um, but I guess in, in London you do get smaller microbreweries, but like I feel like certainly in like the Pacific Northwest, you've got like such a, a wide choice of like cool microbreweries, and they're all branded really well as well, which I you know, obviously that entices you, but then they've got the beer to back it up. Like, okay. Germany has so many good beers, and um, it's just so many to choose from. But yeah, I guess I've probably drunk more beer in the UK than uh, in the US and Germany. Probably, I've been over there like so many times. I think maybe I've traveled to forty-six states. I think the last time I I Jeez. counted. So I've only got okay. a few left to go.
0: What's What's the oldest brewery where you live, and what when was it established?
1: Do you? That's question i <laughs> need, maybe we can check that out um i'm gonna I'm, have i got time to google it can i google it for yeah, yeah 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 um oldest brewery in london does that fa- sound like uh yeah a, Get a, me. okay i feel like we should have a build-up I, I feel like it's going to be like 1400 or something
0: ridiculous oh yeah yeah that's why I, that's why i asked I, i'm interested <laughs>
1: Okay, this is taking far too long for my uh, my internet. Let me uh, just disconnect there. Uh, okay, the suspense is really building up now. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I would ask you a question because we're almost done, but I I, I don't want to ruin this moment. <laughs>
1: okay, okay, okay. I <laughs> the moment that the internet fails and I can't actually get the answer to the question. Wonderful. The Faversham Brewery is home to Shepherd Neame. Britain's oldest brewery nestled in, in Favisham and Kent. Um, and it looks like it was around, oh, well, Fuller's of London is 1845 and Young's of London is 1831. Truman's Brewery was founded in 1666. <laughs> so they got a little bit of practice in.
0: Yeah, they, they, they. I think they, uh, they got the establishment down, and they, they got it. They got the recipe, and they're there for a reason.
1: <laughs> when okay. you, when you've been in business for four hundred odd years, you'd be a better be good, because you get found out by then. <laughs> <big>. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That that's that's um, okay. You didn't have it? to come to
1: London to try some. That's the only way you'll know.
0: Okay. All right. What's next for you? You said you, you have some plans. You don't have to say that. But what's what's next Next month from, from now till the, the new year? Um,
1: rehab, actually, and not in the beer-related way, which sounds I understand. like you just talked about beer. Um, this is actually just um, fresh in this afternoon. So um, I finally got to the physio today. I actually went for a run this morning, came back with a little bit of pain, and I already had a physio. Appointment booked in basically I, I hurt my hip in a relatively flat 100 miler at the back end of october for the autumn 100 uh, picked up an injury there then i went to run a beautiful race in south africa called the uh, ultra trail cape town uh hurt my hip again because i hadn't recovered after kind of 10-15 miles at the beginning that race as i say dropped at mile 55 and um Yeah, I knew something wasn't right and finally got to the physio today to get it checked. And um, basically, I've got bursitis on my left hip. Um, So number one right now is just trying to rehab myself. You know, I'm pleased that it's not anything bony or arthritic or anything nasty like that. But, you know, it does need a bit of uh, due care and attention. So I've got to focus on that for the next month. Then I'm coming over over the pond to Boston to talk at the Run Show USA. Um, okay. I think it's uh, beginning of February, around that time. So coming out there to talk, uh, and then, yeah, get down to business with the running side of things. Uh, probably around April time, i going to look for a race here in the UK. Okay. Uh, there's a race called the Wild Horse 200, uh, which actually my brother is the race director for down in Wales, which uh, okay. I'm considering doing um and then um yeah tahoe 200 signed up for that in june and um well hopefully fingers crossed touch wood um me and my brother will get into battle to have been a bit of luck and you know it'd be great nice. to run the race together um yeah. and finish together that would be you know a really nice achievement and maybe one or two more family can make it out for that as well which would be really nice
0: Before we go to the last question, I got another curveball, and I totally spaced it as we were waiting for the suspense answer. Do you go by football or soccer? Which one do you use? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry about the World Cup, by the way. I I noticed you guys. uh, I I was rooting for you. I was rooting (laughs) for you guys, man. The underdogs. I always go for the underdogs.
1: But we're all friends because we drew 0-0, zero, zero, right? So it's right. all good. You know,
0: it was a good good result
1: that for us. Exactly. Um, I would call uh, UK football, football. Um, soccer's not really in my uh, vocabulary. Um, but I do, I would call NFL, uh, American football or NFL. But I, I do like watching the NFL. Um, and are you going to ask me who my team is?
0: Who's your team, man?
1: <laughs> I like Mahomes, man. I, I like watching him play. I like the way he throws that side pass. That's a cool oh, yeah. I don't know what you call that, like a shotgun pass or something. It, it just looks so cool when he does that. Oh yeah. Um,
0: it's like sidearm.
1: Yeah, yeah it's like a sidearm cool. throw. I mean I'm not an expert at all, but um my favorite soccer team, there you go, is um is Liverpool, which play in red and Liverpool. white. My favorite rugby team is obviously Wales, which play in red and white. So I feel like I needed to keep the theme going, and like the Chiefs have to play some cool ball, and uh, like okay. my home So I just you can, you don't need to be an expert in a sport when you see certain people pe- play that sport. Um, you're witnessing it now in the in the in the soccer World Cup with Messi. You know it, that's going to be a huge game tomorrow for Argentina. I really hope that he wins the the World Cup. Um, you watch Jordan when he played basketball. Again, you don't need to understand all the rules, but what you can see is that there's someone there transcending what's possible in that sport. And, you know, the same way when you watch someone like Courtney DeWalter run an ultra, oh, yeah. you know, just so much, so much love and respect for, for, for Courtney. You know, she's an greatness. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. You just, you, you're just witnessing greatness and that, uh, that's cool. Like Lewis Hamilton in Formula One, it's cool whether you understand the rules or not, just to see that and yeah. be there to see that. You know, it's cool.
0: Your end goal. When, when do you know you hit the top?
1: That's a good question. Um, I, you know, I, I guess for me, we talked about the podium earlier. I, I would love for me, you know, to to make it onto a podium at a 200-miler. I, I would be really really pleased with that i know that that's a process and i've got to work towards that right now the first step in that process is rehabbing the injury and then building towards the races next year but you know every t- i've only run i think it was it five or six 200 milers maybe before i can't remember now but um yeah four or five something like that but for me like i'm gaining experience in in every race that i do you know well that's my best result so far um but I, I know that there's still areas for me to work on, like mobility, flexibility. Maybe if I had had done that prior to to on 100, I wouldn't have had this injury. So still room for improvement. If I can make it into the top ten, then you know, if I can make it into the top ten in the race, then there's no okay. reason why you can't make it into the top three. So that's that's the goal, I guess.
0: Any, I know age is just a number, especially in this game or sport, you know, in 40s, they're, you're mostly hitting the prime or getting better. Any any, any thoughts on slowing down or are you just going to keep going and going and going?
1: No, even like, you know, tomorrow, if I came out and went first, second or third at, at a race and achieved what I just talked about a minute ago, I don't think that that would change my perspective because the end goal is being on the central with the adventure in your back pocket and and knowing that you've uh, done some good to help other people have a better life and you know that's the end goal you know obviously as you get older there will be limitations but until i'm forced by my body to to make those um, decisions to you know maybe not do 200 miles or maybe to take on you know get back on the bike and do some cycling then i'm just going to keep going and try and do the best that i can (laughs)
0: Well, rehab, what you're going through and what I'm going through right now, uh, that takes the decision too. You've got to make the decision or you're never going to get better. You're just going to get worse and it's just going to be lingering. So, uh, yeah, it's.
1: I think, do you, and this is a question for you then, do you think uh, sometimes men tend to shy away from taking that step to want to rehab? Like, personally, I, I think. From my perspective, I've been putting it off, you know, I can walk stuff to be fine. I think it's something that we've got to learn to get better at as guys, I guess.
0: Yes. And and, uh, the only reason why I I mean, I mean, I'm I'm just going to say I was stupid this year after I blew out my ankle. I went on a Tartarus uh, backyard ultra in Spokane. It was in triple digits and I did it with a 30 pound rock, you know, and, uh, that it was stupid. I learned a lot. I continued to learn a lot. I had to put a lot of races on hold, but, um, yeah, we, we do idiotic things And you know, that, that saying when, this is the reason why women, uh, live longer. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm gonna give another shout out to your wife. Oh, oh, a shout out to your wife as the, the lights flickered. Yeah, um,
1: the, the lights just started uh flickering there,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. The, sorry about Maybe that. Maybe it's uh, uh,
1: the ghost of the click attack
0: coming to your uh, your place. You're over there near the Cascades. You jinxed me, but. <laughs> 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 But let me start out. Shout out to your wife, Abby Fleming, who set this up, who uh, ventured out to get you on this podcast. Some random guy in Washington uh, doing his thing, and you're from Wells, and uh, you know the UK, and you, you guys is like, let's get on this guy's podcast. But I'm gonna say she's the real MVP, man. The more I, I, I hear about her, the more I understand what she does. It, it, it just Uh, I get that understanding that dude, she is the backbone. Yes. You do the miles, you do the miles, you do this, but she is the one that's always supportive, always able to enjoy these vacations with you. My wife, she's like, why do you always have to run on a vacation? That's life. So I, 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 I envy you, <laughs> and, and I give a lot of props to your wife. 100%. And like I say, I, I couldn't do it
1: without her. And, um, you know, she pushes me on to want to do more, for sure. And it's having a partner that's so supportive of you wanting to go and take, you know, two weeks annual leave to go and run through the mountains. But not only that, like, people don't really understand how difficult and how all encompassing it is on the crew like you know oh they just hear the word crew and you know us runners get all the limelight you know you're talking to me on the podcast but like yeah the crew can tell you so much and like oh, there's yeah. so many stories like abby's got from the different races and events but oh, yeah. like, she is so experienced in in crewing now and um yeah like you if you were starting out in ultra running, you know, you know, runners talk to runners, but actually you could learn so much from interviewing crew, um, or speaking to someone oh, like her yeah. Cause you know, she's crew Batwater, Moab, Coca-Dona, all yeah. of these in the yeah. UK. It's just like, that's a lot of experience, man. And I know like you see other runners, like Courtney's well supported by her husband. whose name escapes me at the moment, but, um, yeah, you know, that's a, a prime example. You know, I'm sure she would say the same thing. I can't accomplish what I've accomplished without having support from the friend family in particular. I'm very lucky to be supported by all my family.
0: Well, like I said at the beginning of the podcast or before I, 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 uh, she told me, would you be interested in, you know, interviewing you? I was like, uh, of course, uh, then I told her, and she didn't tell you this, that I'm more interested in her and how the heck <laughs> does she know this guy, you know? And so, I'm man. interested in my wife, Nick,
1: that's what I want
0: to know. <laughs> no, I, so, so he, here's my thing when, when, uh, <laughs> what is it? When, uh, compliments are due, I, I give them compliments. And without my wife, me being in the military, everything else, I mean, that she's the backbone uh i I, ne- I never i people say thank you for your service i always think the spouse for their service because they've seen more things than us you know they've been through this so so i i give uh the people uh credit when it's due so abby thank That's you so really much
1: nice, you know, it's really kind of you to say that yeah and, uh, that because um yeah quite often they don't get the credit they deserve and like yeah. you know i heard a story at bigfoot like this year that um out on the course one of the other crews like uh the, the crew uh, member lost control of a car on a back road out there in the pacific northwest went through a guardrail, like 50, we- uh, 50 feet down an embankment cool. airbags deployed all that kind of stuff so you know whilst we might be out on the trail you know running in some tough terrain they're, they're going through some tough terrain and oh can't yeah Oh, and yeah. walk out onto the trail and meeting you and stuff as well. So, yeah, there's an element of danger there for, for
0: those yeah.
1: guys. And, so, yeah, so they put in a hell of a shift.
0: I'm not interested in your wife. I I just celebrating her, man. That's all. Well,
1: you're, you're not interested in her now. I'm so disappointed, Nick. <laughs> oh God, I can't win with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put her on a plane and send her over there. <laughs> with a peaceful life, and no more run it. Really.
0: So I want. <laughs> I, be, and since we're. We're closing out. I'm closing out, right? And since we're talking about Abby right now, I she said something that stuck out, and I've said it a couple times. Not a podium finisher, correct? Knowing what you do, why you do it, and how you do it, uh speaks volumes. It, it says otherwise. Um, you're you're hoping to get or working on getting a hundred smiles, right? Yeah from Operation Smiles. I want you to know knowing the agony of what the family goes through, the kid goes through and everything else, what you provide those kids. I I tell you what, every time you provide a smile, you're, you're on the podium in my book. So I want Mm -hmm. your wife, I want your wife to reconsider that saying and know that people who know about the cleft palates and everything else, um, I right, I want you to know, man. You're you're number one in my book when it comes to that. Okay. I
1: I'm, yeah, genuinely touched by that, mate. That's uh, one so. of the of things somebody said to me. Thank you. That's really really thoughtful and very generous of you. And yeah, it means a lot to me, man. It really does. Thank
0: you. Yep. Thanks. And hey we're we're done man and i appreciate all this time hopefully you know i didn't well there's one thing
1: there's one thing we're not done for man. it we, we need to get a beer at some point in the future so we'll be done oh, once yeah. Beer.
0: oh yeah we'll we'll talk after this but hey um it's been a pleasure thank you
1: pleasure. thank you so much for having me on nick you're, you're a legend and i've been appreciate the kind words and taking the time to ask me questions thank you